Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Have you ever had a bad dream or an ominous feeling that something terrible was going to happen? Some people take those feelings very seriously indeed. They might even change their plans in light of that sense of foreboding. I know some people who have cancelled trips and plans and holidays because of a feeling of dread. However, many others who get that feeling can simply put this down to superstition or worry or maybe even just a bad night's sleep. And so they press ahead with their activity or the trip or the holiday and they find that, yep, everything turned out absolutely fine. And that feeling of doom was just plain, old-fashioned overthinking. Well, we're about to explore a series of disasters that culminate in a catastrophe that would devastate a small Welsh town in the 19th century. And at first, I will share with you what happened based on the history books and the newspaper articles of the time and the inquest notes that were created after. But I encourage you to keep listening, because after we've understood what the deadly incident was, we will learn that a surprising number of people sensed that it was going to happen. Was it pure coincidence or a case of actual precognition? Well, you can decide for yourself, because today on Our Curious Past, we explore a series of industrial accidents that are threaded with folklore and superstition and claims of the supernatural. I'm Peter Laws, and this is the strange case of the Morpha Pit disaster of 1890. Swansea is the second largest city in Wales. But if you were to hop in a car and head about 30 minutes south, down the coastal road, you'll find yourself moving along Harbour Way to a lesser-known part of the country. And pretty soon, you'd see them. The huge industrial towers and chimneys of the Tata Steelworks. They pump out smoke and steam into the sky, swirling into the biting wind that races across the Bristol Channel. Now, many of the locals here in Port Talbot work here at the Steelworks. And they come from a long generational line of people who have worked in industry around this place. But what's lost on many passers-by driving along Harbour Way, but long remembered by the locals, is that something very grim sits beneath the steelworks. The bodies of, at the very least, 15 men are lying under these huge facilities. Nobody knows exactly where, but they're down there. 
and they've been down there for over 130 years. And these are people whose relatives still live in places like Port Talbot nearby. The last time these men saw the sky was on March the 10th, 1890. Back then, this wasn't a steelworks. It was a coal mine called the Morpha Pit. Morpha was one of the most important coal mines in South Wales. Not only did it produce around 190,000 tonnes of coal a year, but it was also one of the only mines that ran under both the ground and also the sea, which sits about 500 metres away. If you listen closely, you might even hear the waves from this site. The mines stretch for miles around, deep underground and under those waves. Folklorist and paranormal historian, Bethan Briggs-Miller. Back in the 19th century, Morva was known as a productive mine, but it was also quite volatile. It was prone to give off dangerous types of subterranean gas, which increased the risk of fire. The mine was run by a company called Vivian and Sons, and opened in 1849, and the owners were keen to avoid accidents. So, they pumped a lot of money and resources into keeping Morva safe. Yet despite these efforts, a series of fatal accidents would occur. And the first was 11 years after the mine opened. It was near midnight on the 26th of November, 1858, when a safety lamp accidentally caused an explosion. The blast was small, so small, in fact, that it went unnoticed up top until a routine inspection went ahead later in the shift. The inspector made his way through the dark levels until he reached one that seemed different to the rest. Closer he got, the more he saw what looked like piles of clothes lying on the ground. He had stumbled across the bodies of four men who had died in that explosion. An even worse disaster happened three years later, on Saturday 17th of October. The year was 1863, when at 10am an explosion ripped through a seam of the mine called the Old Mine Foot. There were 43 men and boys working in that part of the mine at the time. 38 people lost their lives that day, including a 12-year-old boy who was carried out of the mine in a sack by his devastated father. Seven years passed without incident until the 14th of February, 1870. The pit had employed firemen to check over the mines each morning to make sure that the pit was safe to work in. And on that day, the fire crew had pronounced that the pit was indeed safe to proceed, and so the workers started to descend into the earth, cramming together in the vertical lift cages, being lowered deep into the earth. It was between 6 to 7 a.m. that morning when they went down. Now, the pit usually had about 400 people working down there at once, but thankfully, the disaster of that day happened when they had only lowered 50 workers down. 50 too many, but certainly better than 400. A massive explosion rocked the pit. And this blast was so significant that it damaged the lift cages. This meant for an excruciating amount of time, it was impossible to get down to the pit to rescue anybody. And it's quite possible that some of the men were trapped in the lifts themselves. When rescuers eventually found an alternative way to get down, they found 29 men and boys dead. An inquest decided that the case of the fatal blast was due to fire damp, which is a type of methane gas found in coal mines. 
And this gas sits in pockets of coal and can be ignited whenever that piece of coal is penetrated with something sharp or spark-inducing, like a pickaxe. Since these men were hacking into the coal all day, every day, with sharp implements, you can see how on edge they must have been. Every strike of metal against coal produced a spark that could literally blow them all to pieces. It was a brutal way to make a living. This series of disasters would cause the workers of Morpha to understandably worry. And up top, there would be tense discussions about the mine with friends and family, wondering if one day they might descend down that pit and never return. Yet they kept on working. What choice did they have? This was one of the main employers in Port Talbot. But also, this was just a different time. Today, perhaps you and I could have the opportunity to have a career change, you know, midway through our lives. Some of us have many career changes. But not really back then. These men continued in these jobs over and over again, passing it down from generation to generation. Even if some of the workers were lucky enough to never be physically trapped in the mine, they were, at the very least, all trapped by the job itself. And so down they went, into the hot, clammy, cramped cages that would lower them deep beneath the ground, and even would send them under the vast sea quaking above them. You have to appreciate how horrendous the conditions were. Mining was filthy work. It got seriously hot and sweltering, so much so that some of the miners would work naked or semi-naked, often by the dim light of a single candle, which, if blown out, could plunge them into utter darkness. It was common to see rats and mice, though pits tended to have either one or the other. An official report said that some of the rats were as big as half-grown rabbits. And then, of course, there was the vast variety of subterranean insects down there. Very few miners reached the age of 30 without suffering from terrible respiratory problems, and life expectancy for miners was cut short. It was rare for a miner to live beyond their 50s. But in all mines, and particularly at Morpha, there was this constant threat of disaster hanging over their heads. Well, 20 years passed since that last incident in 1870, and perhaps the locals were starting to become encouraged by their run of good luck. But that luck ran out when the big one hit. On March the 10th, 1890, known now as the day of the Morpha Pit disaster. The explosion happened in the Cribble vein deep within the mine. It was a Monday lunchtime when it exploded. And the boom was so significant that the sound of this blast was heard both at the surface of the mine, but also in the local neighborhoods themselves. <gasps> Wives and mothers and children, perhaps, going about their business, must have been frozen for a moment, looking up from their schoolwork or their lunches in terror and dread at the sound of it. This hellish boom, a muffled rumble shaking the ground. And at that moment, at Morpha Pit, the manager was working in his office. And as soon as he heard this explosion, he and all the other employees up top came running from their offices and looked up to see a dreadful sight. A huge cloud of smoke and dust was billowing from the mouth of the lift shaft, 
filling the air with a sort of brownish smoke, lifting to 20 feet higher and more. They raced towards the shaft, pushing and coughing through the smoke cloud, and they were relieved to see that, unlike the disaster last time, the cage lifts were working still. But just in case there was any instability, they were able to remove the cages and then head down to start the rescue effort. And things looked hopeful at first. They found four dead bodies, which was far less than they expected given the sound of the blast. And over the next two hours, they were able to bring up every man and boy from the nine-feet scene. That was about 150 people who staggered out of the shaft safe again. Yet, as the search for survivors went on, hopes grew dim. Not only for the miners, but also for the rescuers. This was perilous work, searching for survivors in the narrow and volatile and stable chambers. One of the rescuers, for example, was a man called Daniel Brownsill. He ventured too far into the mine to search for people, and he ended up being stuck down there overnight. And while he was trapped there, he inhaled a fatal amount of afterdamp, which meant that even though he was brought back up to the surface alive the next morning, he still died right there, despite the best efforts of the medics. The rescuers started to bring some people up, and they placed the found workers in one of two sheds. One was for the injured and the other for the dead. And it's said that the local undertaker started to become overwhelmed with the orders for new coffins. A handful of survivors were found, but they had a grim tale to tell. They would say in a traumatized voice to pit bosses how they had crawled on their hands and knees to escape the scenes, passing the bodies and crawling over many of their friends as they did. While many had managed to escape the actual blast, the sulfuric flames turned the air deadly and poisonous, and some were simply too weak to make it out. The pit bosses knew that many more men and boys were still down there, lost in the deep seams. They were either dead or dying, or alive and awaiting rescue. And if you'd walked through the local towns during that time, you would have seen all of the colliers' cottages in the surrounding villages and towns, the families of the missing men and sons. They were burning candles in their windows, hoping and praying for a miracle and for the rescue of their loved ones. Days passed, and then the rescue workers made a terrible discovery. A fire was burning in one part of the pit. Considering the volatility of the space in the aftermath of the explosion, this fire was extremely difficult to put out, but they managed it. But then, another fire was discovered, and this one was raging near to the shaft where the men were presumed to still be, which meant that putting out that fire would place the trapped men in extreme peril. The management discussed the situation over the next few days. Their options were hideous. They couldn't leave the fire to burn out of control. It could lead to countless explosions. And yet putting that fire out would mean flooding the shaft with water. And so with 43 men still unaccounted for and 18 horses trapped in a deep stable down in the mine, they made their choice. They flooded the mine. (laughs) 
It's the new year, which means loads of my friends have been making resolutions, and they usually sound like this. I want to get healthy. I want to eat better. I want to cook more. And in this uncertain economy, I want to save money, which makes every plate the perfect companion to achieve it. You see, every plate is America's leading meal kit company. They'll send you delicious, healthy recipes along with pre-measured high-quality ingredients. You can cook these up for yourself and your family, and you won't have to wait long for the wow. Now, if you think cooking sounds like a time-consuming drag, don't worry. Every plate sends you the ingredients, so you'll have fewer needs to go to the store, and you'll be able to save time on cooking because you can make a fabulous dish in 30 minutes or less. One of the things that I love about every plate is that you know exactly what you're eating. You do not get that with takeout. Now, true, there are other meal kits out there, but every plate are owned by HelloFresh. That's the leading meal kit company in the US, and they are 56% cheaper than other leading meal kits, so it'll save you money too. So, get started with every plate for just $1.39 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code CURIOUS139. Get started with every plate for just $1.39 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code CURIOUS139. And so those horses and men were left to fate and a certain death. It took them two weeks to put that fire out. During that period, a newspaper called The Times made this heartbreaking report. It said, While these melancholy operations were going on, the poor women who day after day had trudged to the pit in the hope of seeing the bodies of their husbands brought to bank gave way to despairing cries and were reluctantly persuaded to return to their homes. The fate of the 18 or 20 horses in the mine is the subject of much commiseration. It wasn't until April the following year that an inquest decided that the Morpha incident was an accident caused by a gas explosion with nobody to blame, that there were some changes to the gas reporting procedures that were brought about. The bodies of the miners were still being discovered up to four years after the blast. Imagine that. Having to work down in that same mine following these shocking series of disasters and never knowing if your next pickaxe strike was going to cause another fatal blast or even uncover the body of one of your friends. The mine remained operational for another 23 years, until it was closed down for good in 1913. They didn't make any further attempts to retrieve the body, since rescue attempts would put even more lives in jeopardy. So it was a common practice to bury a mine, even when they knew there were people left inside. Now, if you visit the site today, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this disaster has long been forgotten. However, if you look hard enough, you'll find a modest concrete memorial statue made in the shape of a shovel, an axe and a pickaxe lying against one another. And the staff of the Tata Steelworks do sometimes hold memorial services around that plinth. But the real memory of the lives lost carries on in the families that still live in Port Talbot. 87 men died in that final disaster, 67 of which were married. It was a catastrophe that would leave 178 local children fatherless. With that many kids affected, there are many families in the area still today who can trace their family line back to those men. And 
so, the Morva Pit disaster could easily be filed as just another industrial accident. And yet, what makes this incident particularly intriguing and curious is a string of seemingly supernatural events that were reported in the months leading up to the disaster, and an astonishing number of people who changed their plans that day based on the sense of impending danger. Here's Beth and Briggs Miller. A few weeks before the explosion, the men had asked for a thorough inspection of the mine. When asked what prompted this request, they said they thought there were spirits down the mine. Some sort of apparition was even witnessed in the Cribble Vein, the precise part of the mine where the explosion happened. Workers heard strange noises coming from the lower chambers of the pit. Tapping, banging and even shouting. One miner heard these and refused to go down the mine again. He said he'd heard similar sounds before one of the previous disasters. The incident in 1870, which led to the death of 29 men and boys, and he heard those spectral moans before that happened, and his sense of doom was confirmed when the 28 men and boys were killed in the explosion soon after. So, when he heard the sounds again 20 years later, he was sure this was another portent of death, so he refused to go back down the pit again and even transferred to another colliery instead. And because of that decision, he managed to avoid the disaster at Morva that day. For me, I think the most striking element of all of this is the numbers of dead in the disaster could have been much, much more, because only half the workers turned up for their shift that day. Why? They had ominous dreams in the days leading up to the tragedy. And so a staggering 250 people refused to go down the mine that day on the strength of these dreams. What's more, that these prophetic visions were not only experienced by the men themselves, but by family members, wives and children. These uncanny experiences that drifted through the community had such an effect on the miners that the manager threatened to dismiss anyone found reporting the alleged supernatural manifestations. Now on the actual day of the disaster, perhaps the other 250 workers who did decide to proceed and ignore these dreams and rumours, perhaps they laughed and rolled their eyes at their superstitious colleagues as they descended into darkness that day to get on with the job. Imagine how they felt when the explosion went off and found themselves trapped that they would have thought, wow, those apparently silly and superstitious dreams of their colleagues had become real. And perhaps, though, that's all they were, superstitions. But if it wasn't for these superstitions, many more lives would have been lost. For example, other details started to come to light. In the months leading up to the 1890 catastrophe, the shafts were strangely filled with a sweet smell, like the perfume of a rose. For the superstitious, this was a sign known as the death flower. 
Some of the survivors even claimed to have particularly noticed this smell just before the explosion occurred. A strong smell of roses. Then, boom. Was that just a smell of gas? Or something else? And since when did gas smell like roses? Some workers at Morvo even claimed to have seen a strange spectral figure standing in the lifts with them as they headed down into the mines. This mystery man was wearing oil skins and would head off into the mines but would never return to the lift that night to head back up. Who was he? What was he? Remember the explosion in 1863? The incident where 40 miners were lost? Well, in the weeks leading up to this disaster, the workers reported seeing the apparition of a dog, which they called the Red Dog of Morva. This was, they claimed, a phantom hound, known in local folklore as an omen of death. There were even reports of corpse candles being seen in the pit. Corpse candles were fairly common in Wales in the 18th and 19th centuries, and were seen as mysterious lights, small and faint, which would flicker or float near to the places where people would die, and follow the route their coffin would take to its resting place. Particularly strange were the reports of the sledrith, a Welsh word for illusion, a type of doppelganger. Workers would sometimes report seeing fellow workers down the mine, despite knowing for a fact that they were elsewhere in the pit that day, or not on site at all. Yet, there they were. The person whose double was seen was thought to wind up in a fatal accident soon after. On the eve of the disaster, the cage bell was mysteriously rung, and an apparition attired in a black oilskin suit ascended from the shaft and walked across the yard. They walked across to a building which, not only a few hours later, was to be used as a mortuary for the terribly mangled bodies of victims. Immediately after the explosion, one of the colliery officials, dressed in the same manner, walked the same route, exactly as the apparition had done. Word of the strange apparition soon spread, and was even reported in the New York Sun Journal News. It said... One miner returning to the surface felt himself to be accompanied by some invisible presence, which, although not seen by him, was perceived by the banksman to land on the bank and hastily make its way to the shed where the injured and dead had now been carried. Now whether this is all just hysterical folklore or genuine paranormal incidents, well perhaps we'll never know. But considering the perilous nature of this work and the string of incidents before it, it's no wonder that the local community was always on the lookout for signs of danger and death. Not only leading up to the incidents, but afterwards too. Can you remember how bodies were routinely left down the mine following a disaster? Which is exactly what happened in the Morpher incident. While many ghost stories are tales of restless spirits who have somehow not received a proper burial, And so considering that this mine was now, and, well, still is, riddled with the lost corpses of men and boys, it's given the locals a sense of supernatural potential in this area. That these restless spirits, not properly buried, may be condemned to walk the lonely seams of that mine, even now, calling out in pain or in sorrow to those above. In the years after, some workers insisted that they had seen with their own eyes long-dead miners working with phantom horses pulling trams of coal in the darkness. 
It's also fascinating to see the official report of the disaster from the time. It also mentions these rumours that the mine was haunted, and yet the report blames the strange noises in the pit on probably being created by the sounds of the sea since the tunnels extended underneath the waves. And perhaps that's where we end up, as so often is the case, of resting in that middle ground between belief and scepticism. And so it's up to us, it's up to you to decide where you fall. Or maybe you'll rest in the centre, not being entirely sure. Did the locals really foresee the catastrophe that day? Well, 250 of them would most likely say that's absolutely what happened. And paying attention to their superstitions actually saved their lives. It hasn't only happened here, either. It wasn't just Morva that experienced these uncanny events. One of the worst tragedies to ever happen in Wales, Aberfan, was heralded by an ominous dreams in the weeks leading up to the disaster. One little girl was desperate to tell her mother of her scary dream from the night before, and as they left the house to go to school, she muttered, No, Mummy, you must listen. I dreamt I went to school and there was no school there. Something black had come down all over it. There was also another child who had drawn an eerie, accurate picture of people digging into the hillside next to the words, The End. At 9.15am on the 21st of October 1966, a coal spoil tip slid down the hillside engulfing a local primary school in its path. 144 children died that day. This, along with other predicted disasters, drew the attention of the Society for Psychical Research and resulted in the formation of the Premonitions Bureau to try and discover if these events were down to pure coincidence. Or did these communities really predict these tragedies? But then, of course, for others, this is all just a mass of coincidence and wild folklore, people reading into supernatural phenomena. And those people may well say, if you live your life not proceeding to do things just on a funny feeling, you're going to live a not very adventurous life at all. Well, you can choose which explanation you find most persuasive. But what is not under debate are the disasters themselves. They happened. As anybody will know, if they drive down Harbour Way and happen to notice a concrete axe, pickaxe and shovel marking the spot. A modest gravestone for 89 men and boys who remind us of how dangerous certain industries can be. I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to Our Curious Past. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.